Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything, number 238. I am Gary, I'm riding solo today. Chris is in Boston, Massachusetts, so I will be doing our college football coverage solo. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. You can follow us on Twitter at Winning Cures. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Winning Cures Everything. We just finished up week six in the 2018 college football schedule. The show, as always, is brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi. You can get more information on all six of their wonderful sports books over at tunicatravel.com. You can get all the information that you need from us, picks, everything else, whatever wonderful stories have come out, including the UFC uh, 229 brawl and whatnot. Uh, you can find all of that over at winningcureseverything.com. For now, we're going to quit wasting your time. Let's get into the College Football Week 6 Recap. This is the Week 6 College Football Recap, brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. You can check out all six of their sports books over at tunicatravel.com. I am Gary. I'm riding solo today. Chris is in Boston, Massachusetts, so I handled our recap for this week. Let's go ahead and jump in. First things first, the Red River Shootout. I'm not going to call it the rivalry. It's just ridiculous. The the Red River whatever. It's still the Red River Shootout to me. Bottom line here is that Texas looks like they're pretty good. We didn't know what to make of them after the TCU game, after the USC game. It's all based on perception, right? Like, is TCU actually that good? Is USC actually that good? Nobody is denying that Oklahoma is is good. And for Texas to come out and do what they did, they jumped up 45-24 to 24 early in the fourth quarter before the defense did what they sometimes do, which is give up points, right? A whole slew of them. So they kind of they fell asleep a little bit. Uh, but it was still an incredibly per, or, uh, impressive performance by Texas. Uh, look. At the end of the day, if you look at the stats, Oklahoma probably should have won the ball game. They had 9.17 yards per play. Texas had 6.68 yards per play. Like, that's a lot of yards per play for Texas, but 9.17 is just ridiculous. Uh, Sam Ellinger, just ridiculous, right? Uh, he was 24 out of 35, 314 yards, two touchdowns, or yeah, two touchdowns, passing. But then 19 rushes, 72 yards, three touchdowns uh, on the ground? I mean, that's just other world stuff. Ellinger looks like the real deal. They drive it down the field towards the end of the ball game, get the win thanks to Cam Dicker, Dicker the kicker. Freshman kicker in a big-time spot. That was fantastic to see. Fantastic to see. We'll move on from that. Let's talk about Florida. Florida 27, LSU 19. This was a, a slobber knocker of a game. It was nice to go from our, our Oklahoma-Texas matchup straight into LSU-Florida. We didn't know if this was going to be a good game. I will admit, I did not believe in Felipe Franks. I didn't think that he would be able to do much against this LSU defense. And no, the numbers say that he didn't really. He was 12 out of 27 for 161 yards. He threw one touchdown, threw one pick. But he was really good in spots. He did what he had to do to win the ball game. Florida, Dan Mullen's a good coach. 
He knew what it took to beat LSU. And and by gosh, I mean, they, they had 5.51 yards per play, Florida did. LSU only 4.95. Joe Burrow, three turnovers. And they were in, look, two of them in crunch time in critical spots, one at the very end of the game, uh, one on basically the last drive of the game that mattered. Threw a, a pick six when they were down 20 to 19. All they needed was a field goal. Had he not thrown that pick, I mean, I've got faith in LSU's kicker to be able to uh, to kick a field goal. I mean, they, he's been good all year. So, yeah, Florida looked uh, looked really good. 215 yards rushing against that LSU defense is really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. From there, Notre Dame, 45, Virginia Tech, 23. Chris uh, gambled on Virginia Tech plus six at home. Look, Virginia Tech has not been good at home in prime spots. They just haven't, and it's been a long time since they have been. I'm not sure uh, why we all continue to believe in them. until, like I, I do believe in Justin Fuente, but until they show me that they can win one of these big-time matchups, it's all going to be matchup-based, right? Like Notre Dame just had the better team. Yes, it was seventeen to sixteen at the half, but honestly, Notre Dame was up ten to nothing, you know, at the drop of a hat early in this ball game. There was it, it was never really a ball game. Uh, you come out in the second half, Notre Dame comes out at Virginia Tech, five plays, they punt, and then Dexter Williams has a ninety-seven yard touchdown run. Just ridiculous, and and they never looked back. From seventeen to sixteen, it got way up there. Virginia Tech only scored one more touchdown. Uh, Notre Dame looks really good with Ian Book. That defense is fantastic. Uh, they did, uh, they did give up a lot of yards, but Dexter Williams. I mean, 17 rushes for 178 yards and three touchdowns. Ian Book. I mean, his stats are just incredible every week. It feels like 25 out of 35, 271 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. That's uh, that's good stuff. This this kid could end up finding himself in the Heisman race, even without playing the first three weeks of the season. Like that's how insane this is. So I I fully expect Notre Dame to go undefeated the rest of the way. Their schedule sets up incredibly nicely. Uh, I mean they've got Florida State coming in. They play at Northwestern. Like these are all okay teams, right? But you know, do any of them scare you at all? Syracuse and the Bronx. Like, at USC could be interesting, but they haven't shown anything lately to, uh, or even for the first five weeks, six weeks of the season, to give you any doubt that Notre Dame would not be able to go in there and win that game. If USC loses a couple more games, there's not going to be a home field advantage there. So I look for USC to uh, to bow out Notre Dame to go 12-0. and It's, uh, I will eat crow. I predicted them to go 8-4 and this season. I was dead wrong on that. Next up, Texas A&M 20, Kentucky 14. This game went to overtime. A&M held Kentucky to 70 rushing yards on 30 attempts. That's 2.33 yards per carry. Kentucky was running on everybody. South Carolina, Mississippi State, Florida. Like this same Florida team that just beat LSU in the swamp. I mean, they beat them in the swamp. And they dominated them on both lines of scrimmage. It it was crazy. But Kentucky does take the loss here. A&M... They got a good defense, uh, but their two turnovers, like they gave Kentucky a chance there. Uh, had Kentucky kicked that field goal in overtime, 
They still would have lost the game because obviously Texas A&M scored a touchdown, but there were a lot of a lot of Kentucky backers that had them at plus five and a half, plus six. That some pushed, some lost. Uh, I was one of those that had them at plus five and a half. I, I would still take that bet even today, knowing what I know now. But A&M, that Mike Elko looks like just a a friggin' genius. He is a fantastic defensive coordinator. Next up, Mississippi State 23, Auburn 9. Auburn was held to less than 100 yards rushing for the third straight game. That has never happened in the Gus Malzahn era at Auburn. To be honest, uh, Auburn has never had more than two games in a season where they did not rush for over 100 yards. This is bonkers to me. Their offensive line looks completely lost. Running backs don't look good right now. I understand that they've got guys out, but everything just looks complete. They always find ways to to generate rushing yards, and they're not able to do that right now. Nine points against Mississippi State, that's one thing. But when you give up 349 yards rushing to a Mississippi State team that rushed for what, 60 against Kentucky? That's, uh, that's cause for concern down on the plains. Gus Malzahn... It is showing once you are on the uh, once you're on the hot seat, uh, you are never fully off of the hot seat. And yes, he just signed a seven-year, forty-nine million-dollar deal, fully guaranteed. But that's not a fun way to make money, right? That's just not a fun way to make money. You're gonna sit there in Auburn and have everybody hate you because they don't think that you're a good coach. And you could be in Arkansas. Where everybody understands that it's a rebuild. Auburn fans want to win now. They thought that you had the team to be able to win now. And, I mean, you see what's happening. But, yeah, 23-9 to loss at Mississippi State after State had only won, uh, or had only scored 13 points combined in two games against Kentucky and Florida. Not a good way to go about living. Number six, we're going to talk about Northwestern 29, Michigan State 19. We're going to give a shout-out to the Westlot Pirate Boys Look, I thought that Northwestern was in trouble here, partly because they lost two defensive starters before this ball game. The week before, two guys were out. Michigan State finds ways to win close games like this, and Northwestern found a way to win this game with only rushing for eight yards total against Michigan State. That blows my mind. Now, Clayton Thorson, he had a pretty good day. 31 out of 47, 373 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that's monster numbers. There is a reason why NFL scouts are salivating at this dude. They think he will be a first-rounder. It, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Next up, number seven, NC State 28, Boston College 23. NC State averaged 6.13 yards per play on 87 plays. 87 plays. Boston College averaged 6.36 yards per play. They only ran 50 plays on offense. Now, A.J. Dillon was out. We get that. That's fine. But goodness gracious, 87 plays to 50? I mean, that's just uh, that's bonkers. Bonkers to me. NC State looks really good. They have an off week. Clemson also has an off week this week. And then the only two undefeated teams left in the ACC will be playing in two weeks. So we'll be, we'll be hyped up for that. I think everybody will be. Number eight, Miami 28, Florida State 27. This was... An insane game, right? Florida State did exactly what an underdog 
is supposed to do. Get in their head a little bit. They had the the pregame ruckus, the the fighting and, and whatever, and it wasn't a huge fight, but you know, they, they got in Miami's head a little bit. They jumped out to a twenty seven to seven lead. Twenty seven to seven. And couldn't hold on to the lead. Just so frustrating. I would imagine for Florida State fans, right? Uh, Florida State averaged only 3.08 yards per play on 65 plays. Miami averaged 3.92 on 78 plays. The efficiency here was not good for either team, uh, but Florida State still looks lost. Like, they they had some good moments in this game, which, I mean, you have to when you're in the underdog role, but goodness gracious. This was, uh, it was an ugly game, but it was fun to see two teams that absolutely hate each other. It was, it looked like it was a sellout. Uh, down at the Orange Bowl. It was interesting. Uh, Number nine, Iowa State 48, Oklahoma State 42. This is the fourth time in three years that Oklahoma State has been upset outright as a favorite. I mean, that's just not a good thing, right? Not a good thing. It's the second time this year uh, because Texas Tech went in there and absolutely handed it to them. Third-string quarterback, uh, let's see, Brock Purdy, 18 out of 23, 318 yards, four touchdowns. 19 runs for 84 yards and one touchdown. That's Iowa State's third string. Third string. Give me a break here. 7.38 yards per play for Iowa State. What has happened to Oklahoma State's defense? I mean, I talked so good about them after the Boise State win. We all thought that Boise State was on another level for a G5 team, that that they were, and then they, of course, go into Stillwater, and Oklahoma State just smashes them. And ever since then, I don't know what has happened here. Uh, they, they need to find something to, to fix here. I would imagine they're going to try and say that they need a quarterback change, something like that. But, I mean, Taylor Cornelius put up 42 points here. There, there's something happening in Stillwater. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, number 10, we'll close out with this one. South Carolina 37, Missouri 35. Backup quarterback, uh, Skarnekia. Whew. South Carolina, 20 out of 35, 249 yards, three touchdowns, Missouri. You go into Columbia, you get caught in the middle of a rainstorm. There's delays, lightning delays, all that. Drew Locke was held to 17 of 36 for 204 yards and two interceptions. Missouri had 5.98 yards per play on 82 plays. South Carolina ran the same number of plays, had 4.6 yards per play. The If you listen to the S&P plus Bill Conley over at SB Nation, the win probability for Missouri in this ballgame, because of all the stuff that happened, because of the stats, et cetera, et cetera, Missouri wins this game 96% of the time. And South Carolina found a way to get through it. And they definitely needed to because they have been reeling here lately. That will wrap up the Week 6 College Football Recap. <laughs> The Winning Cures Everything, College Football, Week 6, Top 10. This is after Week 6. Chris is in Boston, so I am riding solo. This will be shorter than usual, but I will give my top 10 and then explain why for each team as we go. It should not take too long. Let's jump right into it. College Football, Top 10, number 10. I've got the Texas Longhorns. Look, a win over USC, like a a dominating win over USC, a, a fairly dominant win, at least on the scoreboard, uh, win over TCU. 
their first win at Kansas State since 2002, and now a win in the Red River Shootout over Oklahoma, who everybody pegged as a college football playoff contender, college football playoff participant. Uh, Kyler Murray was all everything, et cetera, et cetera, and Texas comes out. Offense looks fantastic, 45-24. to 24. Now, I did tell you last week, Texas is not built like most Big 12 teams. Oklahoma is built to beat Big 12 teams. They're not beat or they're not built to beat those other types of teams. You see here exactly why. I mean, they they ran the ball, they threw the ball, they found holes in the defense. Mark Stoops was fired after not Mark Stoops, uh Stoops, whatever. Stoops was fired, the defensive coordinator. He was fired after the game. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know, right? Texas, 48 points. It was bonkers. Number nine, I've got Michigan. The Michigan Wolverines jump back up. They are playing really well. This is the stretch right here. This may be the last time that they're in the top ten for the rest of the season. But uh, but they're playing well right now. A big win over Maryland this weekend. They looked good. They looked dominant. They kind of toyed with them early and then took control of the game late. I'm going to roll with them right now. They've got Wisconsin this week. Then you've got Michigan State. You've got Penn State. Uh, you you need to win these ball games. If you're Jim Harbaugh, you need to win these games. And they are playing like they're capable of doing that right now. Defense looks otherworldly. Should be some good matchups. I know College Game Day will be at uh, Ann Arbor for the Michigan-Wisconsin game. Number eight, UCF. I'm going to keep UCF up here. Uh, if they win this weekend, that tells me a lot about this football team. They are playing at Memphis. Uh, they got the win this past weekend over at SMU. I don't know how many teams in the country couldn't beat SMU. They have improved in the past month of the season uh, from what they were in week one. But I do like the hire that SMU made. They, they are improving, but they are not on the level that UCF is right now. UCF is a different animal. Uh, they will be in the top 10 until they lose, like at least in my top 10. Number seven, Penn State. Penn State's got one loss. I'm going to keep them up here because their one loss looks a lot better than everybody else's right now. Uh, their loss was to Ohio State. Yes, it was at home, but they were up on Ohio State. They should have won the ball game. At least they feel like it. Uh, Ohio State fans will, will beg to differ with that, I would imagine. But, yeah, Penn State still looks really good. Uh, I, I mean, we'll see what they do whenever they go play. They've got Michigan State this weekend, but they are more than a two-touchdown favorite uh, at home. And then they play Michigan here in a couple of weeks. So it, we'll see what happens with these two games. And then we'll go from there. I think they've still got Wisconsin left on the schedule. Uh, this is uh, this is do-or-die time for Penn State. Number six, undefeated West Virginia. Now, they played Kansas. They didn't look great. They had three red zone turnovers. That probably doesn't happen if they were to play this ball game again. Still won convincingly, 38-22. to Will Greer, three interceptions. Not a good thing for a Heisman contender to be doing, especially against Kansas. But they are still undefeated. Not a lot of teams out there that can actually say that. Number five, we've got Clemson. Clemson looked dominant this weekend at Wake Forest. They ran for 4 billion yards which is what you're supposed to do to teams like that. Uh, Wake Forest could not stop the run. They could not stop anything. They couldn't score on Clemson's defense. This is the first time that they have really looked dominant in a football game. And once they started up, they did not stop. 
They did not stop for the whole ball game. Clemson looked good. They looked like a top five team, maybe for the first time all season. Number four, I've got Georgia. I moved Georgia down a little bit. Still haven't seen Georgia play anybody. Now that changes this weekend in Baton Rouge. Obviously, they're going to LSU, but a big win over Vanderbilt doesn't do anything for me. Uh, they do still look like they've got. I mean, they just don't look exactly right yet. But they could still be toying with things because they haven't had to do anything. They've played nobody so far. So yeah, I've got them at number four right now. Uh, this poll, by the way, my top ten is a combination of eye test along with results, record, strength of schedule, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's not purely analytical-based. It's not purely eye test-based. Georgia is my number four team right now. Number three, I've got Notre Dame. Look, that is as impressive a victory as they will have all season. No, I don't think Virginia Tech is that good. But Virginia Tech, Lane Stadium, at night, I mean, primetime spot, that was a good spot for a letdown, especially after uh, after a big win over Stanford last week. This was a spot for a letdown, and Notre Dame did not allow it to happen. Ian Book, Dexter Williams, that defense, this is a really, really good football team. I don't see them losing the rest of the way. They will be in uh, in the playoff if they go undefeated. They're going to knock two Power 5 conferences out of the playoff if they go undefeated. Number two, I've got Ohio State. Uh, very curious what that whole thing was with with Urban Meyer. Uh Towards the end of the first half, I believe it was, where he, he dropped to a knee and was holding his head. Uh, he said it was like headache pains. Look, I'll be very surprised if Ohio State, uh, or if, if Urban Meyer is still the head coach at Ohio State after this season. Something Something's a little weird there. But, to his credit, the team still looked really good. 49-26 uh, to 26 win over Indiana. That is, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a good thing. Indiana is not a bad football team. At all, they are they are an average football team, and Ohio State uh, did what they normally do to average football teams, and that is dominate. Number one, Alabama again. Uh, yes, the defense gave up 31 points to Arkansas, but the offense scored 65. The offensive efficiency for this football team is unlike anything that the metrics, like, and I'm talking national metrics, have ever seen. They have the best offensive efficiency to this point in the season of any team that has ever been recorded in college football metrics, which is mind-boggling, right? I believe, uh, let's see, Dave Bartu from CFB Matrix came out before the season and said that Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator, uh, was rated as a D. And he was on Paul Feinbaum, and he was talking about how Loxley could end up costing this team a game or Tosh Lapoy, the defensive coordinator, could cost this team a game because they're just not very good coordinators. And Feinbaum did, to his credit, ask him if Loxley had ever played with the amount of talent that, or had it ever coached with the amount of talent that he will have in Tuscaloosa. Bartu could not answer that question because obviously he has not. This offense is otherworld. The defense is getting better. Now, they're going to miss Trevon Diggs, starting cornerback. He is out with a broken foot for uh, an indetermined or undetermined amount of time. And we'll see what happens. But for the time being, 
Alabama is the number one team, and their first real test will be November 3rd in Baton Rouge against LSU. And we'll see exactly what LSU is by then. Obviously, LSU's got Georgia and Mississippi State between now and then. But uh, but both teams are coming off of a bye week that week. Um, but yes, Alabama looks really, really good right now. They've scored over 50 points in all six ball games already this year. I mean, that's that's other level stuff. Other level stuff. All right, as always, this is brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. You can bet on games at any of their six sportsbook locations. You can find more information over at tunicatravel.com. You can find all of our stuff over at winningcureseverything.com. Go check that thing out. The Winning Cures Everything College Football Playoff Predictions After Week 6. This is after the October 6th ball games. Let's jump right in. Uh, well, first off, this segment is brought to you by Tunica, Mississippi, the South's premier sports gambling destination. You can wager and watch on any games at any of their six sportsbook locations. So go check them out. Check out everything you need to over at tunicatravel.com. Let's jump right in. Playoff predictions. The two teams that I have being left out of the playoff. I believe Washington will win out. I believe Oklahoma will win out. And I believe neither of them will get into the college football playoff. I don't think their schedules will be strong enough. Uh, Obviously, both already have a loss. Uh, Not that that'll matter. I think other teams might end up with a loss as well. But uh, as far as my prognostication... I don't believe that these teams will. So let's jump in. Number four, I have Notre Dame. I think that they will go 12-0. and I think their schedule will be looked at as a little less than some of these other teams, even with the big wins that they already have. Michigan, I expect them to lose a couple of ball games. So that win won't get, like it won't mean as much. Uh, Stanford, I mean, they already went and, and got hammered by, uh, by Utah at home the week after the loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to have some other losses. Not Notre Dame, excuse me. Notre Dame's opponents will have some other losses. Uh, They won't have any major win to hang their head on, right? So Notre Dame, I've got at number four. I have them 12-0 going into the playoff. Number three, I've got Georgia. I think even if Georgia were to lose the SEC championship game to Alabama, I think they will be 12-0 in the regular season. Their only loss will be on a neutral site to the number one team in the country, I think they will belong in. And so 12-1, and one, I mean, they, they will look pretty good. No, their schedule will not be crazy, but a win over Florida, all that kind of stuff. Not to mention, if you put Georgia at number four, you'll have a rematch right off the bat. I don't think college football playoff wants that. Uh, let's jump in. Uh, number two, I've got Ohio State. Ohio State already has a fantastic body of work. Uh, they've got Michigan left to play. They've got Michigan State left to play. I fully expect them to beat both of those teams. And then it doesn't matter who comes in from the West. Iowa, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got a tough slate ahead of them. Iowa, not so tough. Not so tough. So whichever one of those comes in, I think Ohio State handles them. They get in 13-0. and They will be the number two ranked team in the college football playoff going in. And that leaves our number one team with Alabama. This is exactly why I don't think that Notre Dame will be your three seed. I don't think the college football playoff wants 
Ohio State against Notre Dame and Alabama against Georgia right after they just had Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think they want to delay that and and hopefully not have the same matchup. So, uh, from there, you'll have Ohio State against Georgia and Alabama against Notre Dame. That is two primetime made-for-TV games that will absolutely be watched. They will be sold. It will be other-world kind of stuff. And I think two really good, really good football games. I think Ian Book and Notre Dame can test Alabama's defense. I think Notre Dame's defense can give Tua some problems. With Ohio State and Georgia, it's kind of the same thing, right? Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Uh, he could have some problems with Georgia's defense. I think Jake Fromm and Justin Fields and, and uh, Swift and, and all of those guys at Georgia could have problems with Ohio State's defense, uh, depending on what kind of scheme they are wanting to run at that time. Obviously, they have uh, given up some yardage this year, but they do have the personnel to be able to match up with Georgia. That could be some very, very interesting stuff. Uh, now, if you do that, if you do those two matchups, you could end up with Alabama and Georgia for a a rematch in the national championship game. You will have an SEC championship game in the last two national championship games that would include Alabama and Georgia. Who knows if that's what the committee actually wants, but if it is bringing in eyeballs, I mean, they will be all about it. They will be all about it. Obviously, you're you're looking for an Alabama-Ohio State matchup, but if they are both undefeated, there's no way you're getting that in the first round. Just no chance. All right, so recap on the... Uh, The teams that were left out, for me, Washington and Oklahoma, I think both of them will win out. I don't think their schedules will will work for the committee. And then you've got Alabama at one, Ohio State at two, Georgia at three, Notre Dame at four. So Alabama versus Notre Dame, Ohio State versus Georgia. That will end our college football playoff predictions after week six. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, at GaryWCE. You can follow me at Chris B. Giannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. You can also email the show, that's winningcureseverything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551 226 9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team or praise us or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551-226-9899 and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show and until next time, have a good one guys. Hey, don't forget, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast on iTunes and make sure you leave a review. For every 25 written five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we are donating to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and Le Bonheur's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. So subscribe and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast apps. Remember, the Winning Cures Everything podcast.